Good morning, church. The words of that uh, that song echo true. <clears throat> that's the that's the question that you know every day we we got to be honest and we got to be real with ourselves because <laughs> if we're if we're being fake with ourselves then we're we're not doing our, our ourselves a service but we're doing ourselves a, a disservice. But we have to ask the question: What are we building our life on? What is the foundation of our life? If the foundation of our life is anything other than Jesus Christ, what's going to happen is, whether it's slowly but surely or in an instant, we're going to soon come to find out that the foundation that we're building our life upon is not stable. And it's like shifting sand. The Bible speaks about that. When the, when, when, when the storms of life come, the house that's built on the sand is not going to be able to withstand the turmoil of the, the, the issues of life. And, and we all know we go through issues in life, right? They're just, they're just part of life. But those who build their house on the solid foundation, on the rock of the proclamation of who Jesus Christ is, though the storms of life are going to beat down on your house, your house is going to stand firm. Your house is still going to be standing after the storm is gone because it's the foundation that you've built your life upon. Amen. Uh, yesterday, I, I love being encouraged. <laughs> you know, I love being encouraged. And, and I don't know where you're at this morning, but I, I pray that, that, you know, one, you came here with the heart of sacrifice and praise to the Lord. And also you came to be encouraged. I'll share a little bit of encouragement uh, and I hope it speaks to your heart. So, you know, um, every morning with my kids, I, I do like the verse of the day, right? Just go on uh, the Version Bible app. And they got now they got like a video so you can read the scripture. You can watch the video if you choose for the commentary on what the verse is. They break it down. But the verse yesterday was so encouraging to me. And it's 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 so interesting to me because the word of God is living and active. So that means every t- you can read it for 50, 70 years. But every time you maybe you've read this same scripture 400 times. Every single time you read it, you're going to get something different out of it. You're going to have a new revelation if you're open to what God is showing you because the word of God is living and active. It's not a stale, stagnant thing. It's an organism. And, and, and this verse came alive to me in such a way that I've never understood it before. It's, it's found in John chapter 1, verse 5. Many of us know it. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And, and, and I don't know what it was, but yesterday I just was so blown away by that verse because the reality is many times you and I, whether we admit it or not, we're super overwhelmed by the darkness in this world. Many times we, we, we give too much credence to what's going on around us that's not right. And maybe it's just because of the culture we live in where the media chooses to kind of blast everything that's negative and barely sheds any light on the positive but so many times the darkness of this world can, can seem to be like weeds that get a stranglehold of the plant. And it's almost like the darkness is choking out the life in us if we're being honest with ourselves. You see, but we got to remember, church, that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, he is the light that shines in the darkness. And the darkness can never overcome him. So, you know, I have young children. And so, you know, we have nightlights <laughs> all throughout the house. Upstairs, we got a nightlight in the bathroom. And, you know, you've heard the analogy many times. 
You could be in a completely black room, no electricity. You got one match. You flick that match and that little flame is going to light up that whole room. All that darkness, that darkness can't do nothing. But that little bit of light, <laughs> it illuminates the darkness and the darkness can't overtake it, can't overtake it and the darkness cannot uh, comprehend it. And so I pray that that encourages you today. I don't know where you are in your walk with the Lord. I don't know where you are in, in circumstances that are, are, are you're dealing with. But if you have the light of Christ living inside of you through the person of the Holy Spirit, you actually can never be defeated. Hear me, church. You actually can, you can go, you could go 100 and 0. Who was it? De La Salle. They had like the longest, uh, you know, win streak in, in, in high school football. Uh, I love that movie uh, that came out several years ago. But, you know, even beyond what they were able to accomplish. And by the way, they, they were, a, they were a, a team, a school of faith, you know. But the reality is you don't ever have to be defeated. You see, the only time you and I ever get defeated is when you and I come into agreement with the, the, spirits, the spiritual reasonings of darkness. When we listen to the lies of Satan and we allow him to come in and, and, and manipulate the situation. I'll be real with you. <laughs> I, 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 last night, uh, I, 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 was, I was just about to start studying and <laughs> I heard this. <laughs> And this unclean spirit said to me, step down from pastoring. Don't pastor anymore. That's not your calling. You need to stop. <laughs> this is what I heard. <laughs> and, 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 and I immediately remembered scripture. <laughs> and I didn't even talk to Satan. I just started saying scripture out loud. I said, he who lives within me is greater than he who lives in the world. I said, perfect love casts out all fear. <laughs> I said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And you know what? That unclean thought vanished like that. We talk about this all the time in the men's group. You know, we're bombarded moment by moment, almost it seems like, with, with thoughts that are contrary to the word of God. How are you doing in that area? Are you, are you, are you walking in victory? Or, or, or are you being beat down, battered, and broken by these unclean thoughts that seem to torment your life. You see, you and I have access to victory. You and I have to grab the inheritance. Take hold of what is yours in Christ today. Don't leave this building without knowing who you are in Jesus. And know that this is part of the battle. This is the Christian life. It's grimy. It's not just this. It's not just this easy thing. You know what's easy? It's easy to quit. Quitters quit because it's easy to quit. Alice Cooper, he said, you know, it's easy doing drugs, sleeping with women and drinking booze. That's easy to be revolutionary is to be a Christian. You guys know who Alice Cooper is. He said it's revolutionary to be a Christian. It's hard to be a Christian. But the payoff is everlasting and it's eternal life. So, so I, I paint that picture this morning because I want you to be encouraged. If, 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 if you're catching lefts and rights and uppercuts from the enemy, it's because you're a threat. 
It's because it's because you're you're choosing to side with Christ. And whenever you walk in the light and you're drawn to Christ, expect opposition. Expect it. Don't be surprised when you're like, why this morning, man, all chaos was going going breaking loose in my house. You know, I'm like, what's going on, man? These kids going crazy. And then I didn't, I thought my, I, I didn't know where my, my wife was. She was sleeping in, in my daughter's room. And again, I was like, the rapture happened. I'm like, man, I, I, I'm like, I'm like, man, okay, you told me, stop, stop passion. I'm like, man, I guess, I, you know, and I go through my mind. Oh, you're not even saved. All kind of stuff. But I'm, but I'm saying, church, these are the things that, that we war against. Because it's spiritual principalities of darkness that you and I are up against. It's not even in the flesh. It's all this in the mind. You know, the prince of the air is always trying to permeate and hit you with thoughts that are contrary to the word of God. So know who you are in Christ. Know who your redeemer is. Know your identity in him. Amen. Amen. Whoever has an ear, let him hear what the spirit has to say. All right. Uh, We're starting Ecclesiastes chapter two this morning. We'll be in verses one down through 11. This message is entitled the vanity of pleasure. So with that, uh, if you can stand, if you're able to, for the reading of God's word. Once again, we're in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, and we'll be uh, studying down from verse 1 to 11. All right. And it says, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad and of pleasure. What use is it? I searched my my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I I bought male and female slaves and had slaves and were who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks more than any who had ever been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and providences. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil. And this was my reward for all my toil. Verse 11. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after the wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Let's go ahead and pray. Abba God, we come before you and And Father, our desire is for our lives to be focused around you. Father, your word is clear. Your word is true. It's picture perfect. It tells us exactly what we need to know so that we would live and operate and function to the best of how you created us to be. And it's about you. It's not about the stuff. 
It's not about the experiences. It's not about trying to uh, uh, obtain more or, or trying to be, become something. It's just seriously about knowing you and, and having fellowship with you. Father, none of these things are necessarily bad. Some of them are, but the things that aren't, they're not bad in and of themselves. But a life void of you, void of your son Jesus, is a hollow, empty life. It's a life that has no meaning, that has no purpose. And people search and scurry and run around to and fro all the days of their lives searching for purpose and meaning. Father, would you reveal to us this truth so that we may know who we are in Christ Jesus. May our identity be hidden in him and may we not look to the things of this world or experiences or people to fulfill us but you and you alone. Father now please bless us with your anointing and your favor that we may have revelation. Give us the miracle of understanding and give us the ability and the strength and the wisdom to apply these principles to our lives. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. So last week, we talked about, or, or the book of Ecclesiastes, excuse me, talked about the vanity of knowledge and wisdom. You see, again, knowledge and wisdom, they're not necessarily bad things in and of themselves. But devoid of Christ, they're empty. And... and Again, the fact that if we're not looking at life, if, if we're not viewing life and filtering our lives through a biblical lens, we're going to find ourselves empty and broken and destitute. This is where the world finds themselves, if they're completely honest with themselves. You could have, you know, you could be, you know, have doctorates and master's degrees, and those are not bad things. But that's not going to fulfill you. That's not going to give you. That's not going to give you the purpose that you're truly looking for. You could be the 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 owner and the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, and that's not going to fulfill you. You could be, you know, owner of a sports franchise and have all of the trinkets and things that this world has to offer, but it's not going to fulfill you. Vanity and emptiness is the result of a life lived without Jesus. You see, the, this toilsome pursuit was given to humanity because of the fall. And some people will say, well, it's not fair. <laughs> well, why did God do that? He, he knew good and well what, what, what we need. Why did he allow us to go down that, route, that road? I can't answer that question. <laughs> In God's infinite wisdom, he saw it fit that because of the fall of mankind, that this was what human beings would have to pursue apart from him he's trying to bring us back to himself he's trying to show us you know it's like when you you know my children they, they want you know any child right they, they want junk food they want sugar <laughs> and some parents say no 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 you can't just can't have none uh, you can only have a little bit some parents are like all right you, you you want sugar go ahead and gorge yourself and you know by dinner time usually the kids got you know they're irritable they're angry they got stomach aches and it's like they learned the lesson because they gorged themselves on everything they thought they wanted. And now they feel sick to themselves because they've feasted themselves on sugar. That's kind of the situation you have right now. You know, Solomon's gorging himself on all the pleasures that this world could offer only to come to find out that none of it ever satisfies. You see, once we realize life without Jesus Christ is meaningless... 
the better off we're actually going to be. <laughs> because it's then and only then that we'll be in a position to say yes to him. Unless, you know, for however the Lord does it, he, he gives favor to you where you're able to respond way beyond before that point. Some people can, some people have. They have an anointing on their lives where they don't have to go through all of these struggles and difficulties. But for the average person, probably a knucklehead. Me, I'm a knucklehead, hardhead. Went through all kind of horrible things that I didn't need to go through. But it, it, it was the Lord allowed me to go through those things for me to come to the end of myself. And then I finally got it and understood, okay, <laughs> this ain't working. Let's try it your way. And I haven't looked back. We have several main points this morning. And the first one is this. To indulge oneself in pleasure void of Jesus Christ is nothing but vanity. Again, Solomon was dissatisfied with the results of pursuing wisdom. He pursued wisdom and he came to the result of this is vanity. <laughs> it's empty. It's chasing the wind. I, there, there, there's, there's nothing in it. I, I've gained all the knowledge and wisdom I, I could obtain. And, and, and he said, ah, I, 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 I've left with, I'm left with the answer I don't want. <laughs> so he embarked on a separate course of sensual pleasure. And when, when I mean sensual, I'm just talking about in the, in the physical world. It doesn't have to necessarily mean sexual, but it's anything that's tangible. Anything that you can experience with your five senses, you know, see, touch, smell, taste, right? All those uh, here. Uh, he, he embarked on this course of, of sensual pleasure to see if this would actually yield some kind of different result. <laughs> Notice the text says, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. You see, the heart, biblically speaking, it, is addressed as the seat of the emotions and affections. And that's, that's why the Bible talks about we, we should allow nothing but Jesus Christ to sit on the throne of our hearts. Who's in charge of your emotions and affections? If it's just purely your five senses, then, you know, you're probably not living a healthy biblical lifestyle. But if you're allowing Christ to sit on the throne of your hearts, the Holy, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, you're going to be able to rein in your emotions. And that's not to say that you're not going to be depressed at times. That's not to say you're not going to get mad at times. Uh, you're never going to be anxious. You're never going to deal with those things. But, but you're going to be able to, to gauge. You know, we were talking about this the other night. For the Christian, it's so important for us to identify where we truly are at. That's why I started this message by saying the question we have to ask ourselves is what are we building our lives on? What is the foundation? You see, a GPS device, right? We all have it in our smartphones. What is the first thing that that GPS device tells you when you turn it on? Or what does it show you? Where you're at, right? Because if the GPS device doesn't show you where you're at, it cannot help you. you have to, it has to determine where you're at to figure out where you're trying to go. So for you and me today as, as followers of Christ are those, or, or, or those who are knocking on the door uh, desiring or thinking that we want to try this and live this as a lifestyle for good, we have to be honest with ourselves. We have to be honest with the Lord and determine where am I? 
Because once you are real with where you're at, now you can actually be in a position where if you need to pivot and turn, you can do that. But if you're like the prideful man or woman who's driving down the road and you've passed four or five exits and you still think you know where you're going, but you don't, you're just going to be wasting your time. You're going to be wasting gas. And at the end of it all, you're just going to be late. (laughs) Today is the day of salvation. May we not be late. Amen. Amen. Back to the whole thing about the, 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 the heart being the seat of the uh, emotions and affections. It's like the rich fool's language in, in one of Jesus's parables. Luke chapter 12, verse 19 tells us, and this is the, old, the, you know, the, the, rich, uh, the rich man speaking to himself. And he said, I, I, I will say to my soul, soul, <laughs> you have ample, you have many goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. And we know later on in that parable what happened. The Lord, the Lord said, man, hey amen, you fool. Tonight, your soul is required of you. You see, Solomon now tries to find fulfillment and pleasure in self-enjoyment without the thought of others. But this new experiment produces the same results as the last. Think about this. Even if you and I live for... 80, 90, 100 years gratifying ourselves every day. Like every day we just, we're like, man, I'm going to do what I want to do. I wanna, I'm going to fulfill every desire, uh, every, every idea I have, I'm just going to fulfill it. And you had the means to do it. You had the financial means, you had the, the, the manpower, you had the resources to do it, and you were able to do everything you've ever wanted to do. When you and I take our last breath, we will have realized at that point that it was a complete waste of time without God at the center. Even if you did everything, you know, if I went to every Niner game and got autographs from all these players and, you know, whatever, got sideline seats. Yeah, it's cool. I'm not saying you wouldn't have a good time if that's your gig. But, but you see, the experiences of life, they lose their luster quickly. And then you got to you got to fill up again. It's like a gas tank. You can only go so long and then you're on E. You got to fill back up. Either way, whether you're living in the flesh or living in the spirit, you still got to get refilled. <laughs> so in the spirit world with, with Christ, as his, him as your savior, you still got to be filled every day with the Holy Spirit. And then if you're just living in the flesh, you, you got to be filled. So either way, there's a void in you and I that has to be filled. The question is, what are we filling that void with the second main point is this searching for meaning and purpose in material abundance again is the same thing <laughs> it's nothing but vanity you see we'll, we'll read on further as we get more into our message and then solomon's going to go from from um from pleasure you know, physical pleasure, gratifying himself any way he can, to now he's going to turn his attention to material abundance in search of meaning and purpose. You see, he had a great accumulation of houses, vineyards, right? We live in an area where it was Napa, right? The wine, wine capital of the world, right? Uh, gardens, orchards. What is this whole place back in the day? Uh, you know, was someone, yeah, exactly. It was all, it was all orchards, Beautiful, right? What is Salinas? The salad bowl. Our whole, our whole state. Great 
agricultural state, which is the fifth largest economy in the world. Lavish landscapes, servants, herds. Back in the day, right? You were rich if you owned animals. So he had herds, he had flocks, he had silver, he had gold, and various means of entertainment. If you look closely at all these things that Solomon had, people today seek after these same things that the world defines as success. All those things I mentioned, in some way, shape, form, or fashion, the culture and the world of today still seeks after these things for purpose and meaning, thinking that this is success. And that's why, the, that's why this book says there's nothing new under the sun. 2023, we're still searching after bigger houses, vineyards, gold, silver. That's the big thing right now, right? Oh man, a digital dollar's coming. Invest in gold. I'm not saying don't. I'm just saying it's still the same thing. <laughs> They're like, you, you, you're going to be protected if you just buy all kind of gold and silver. I mean, it is what it is. Houses, land, gold, people serving you, and all kinds of entertainment. You see, many people truly believe if you have the best of the best, what is it, uh, Ferdinand, uh, the matador, he says, I'm the best of the best, uh, the cartoon one. It's so funny. It's referenced because, you know, my kids, but he says, I'm the best of the best. <laughs> I'm going to, I fight, I fight the best of the best. <laughs> but, but many people believe if they have the best of the best of material things, that they're actually going to be happy, happy. And I get it. You know, if you look at it for what it really is, it's all marketing. <laughs> it's all marketing. How else would companies sell jewelry, cars, homes without commercials showing people smiling from ear to ear? Promising happiness in the stuff or the experiences that they have owning the stuff, right? The only problem is what they're selling is a lie. They're selling a bag of goods that's not legitimate. It's not true. Material things can never give you true lasting joy. That's what we're all after. Whether we realize it or not, we're after something that's lasting, Something that, 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 that's going to be there forever. Something that, what, what, do we, what do they talk about in, 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 you know, natural resources and all this stuff right now? Sustainability. That's a big word being thrown around. We want sustainability, you know. So it, it's, it's built into the very fiber and fabric of humanity that you and I are seeking after something that will be lasting and eternal that won't ever change and won't ever tarnish but it's only found in the person of Jesus Christ. That is the truth. That is the truth. You you, you see, these things and these experiences, they may make you and I happy for a season, but there is no lasting joy in these experiences or stuff devoid of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21 tells us, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I love the word of God. Even when it hurts, even when it's convicting, even when it's like, ah, I'm battling my flesh because I'm like, Lord, I don't want to hear that. 
Because I know the way I'm not, I've been thinking ain't, ain't in alignment with what your word's saying. That is so raw and so real. He's, he loves us so much that he's showing us. He's like, man, avoid these things. And what do so many people do? They store up their treasure here. They're living for here. Later on in this book, Solomon's going to get into it. He says, it's, it's an evil that I've worked and accumulated so much. And I don't even know the person or the people that I leave it with. Are they even going to do good by my name and actually utilize it for the purpose it was given to them for? They may piddle it all away. (laughs) And I have no say in it (laughs) because I'm now dead (laughs) and I'm no longer here. The Bible is clear. Store up for yourself treasure in heaven. An eternal treasure that will never tarnish. That you and I won't have to worry about moths eating and desecrating these things. Where thieves won't come in and, and rip it apart and take away what you've worked so hard for. Sow to the Spirit and reap eternal life. Amen? The third main point is this. The spiritual man or woman, the spiritual person can never be fulfilled with natural things. Now, again, a disclaimer. There's nothing wrong with stuff. Now, some of you guys know I got all kind of shoes. <laughs> I've been wearing these Jordans for probably like a year and a half, and these are work shoes. I got, I got Jordans that are like, you know what I mean, $500 that, that they're just sitting in the box. And I don't know, at some point, I'm probably just going to give them to my son. I don't wear them. I don't know why. I want to wear them, but then I'm the one, I'm, I'm super, you know, hypochondriac. I don't want I I, I to get them scuffed. You know, I mean, I'm just being honest. Uh, Sneakerhead. My wife's not too happy about that. Well, I don't do I don't buy the. I don't buy that no more. This is is the kind of pre-marriage and a little bit first few years of marriage. But I don't buy shoes like that anymore. But the whole disclaimer is this. There's nothing wrong with stuff. Some of you live in nice houses, nice homes. They're beautiful. You know, you have a nice car. You may have nice jewelry. You, You may have you know, stocks and bonds and, you know, you may have money stuffed away somewhere and, and that's okay. But you see, it's not about that because there's nothing wrong with the stuff, whether you have or you don't have. It's about your heart. It's about your heart. What has control of your heart and my heart? Is it the Lord Jesus Christ? Is it God the Father or is it the stuff? You see, every human being was created as a spiritual being living in a physical body. I don't know if you ever had an experience like this where it's like, I'm not saying I've ever come out of my body, but I've had a couple experiences where it's like, I, I know, I understand, and I can sense that there's something more to me than just this. I'm not just 6'2", you know, brown dude with all kind of tattoos and a beard. <laughs> like, there's so much more than me. This is a tent. This is a shell of who I am. And one day the shell is going to be done with and it's going back to the dirt where I was made. You know that the human body has all the physical makeups of all the elements that's found in the dirt, right? Scientists have discovered that. They understand that. That every mineral in the dirt is actually in your body functioning and working. So it's real. You come from the dirt. You come from the dust. It was God who breathed life into man, the carcass of man and made him a living being. So, but there's an eternal component in you. That's your, that's, your, that's your soul and that's your spirit that will never die. You see, being that we are created as spiritual beings, 
we must honor, worship, and have fellowship with Yahweh in that same kind of way, in spirit. John chapter 4, verse 24 tells us God is spirit. So he's neither man or woman. People get hung up on that, right? Why do they say Father God? Why can't it be? Because that's the whole thing, right? People are like, well, woman God. Yeah, God's a woman. No. <laughs> the, the way they use man or the way they use father is showing a kind of a hierarchy and an order. And, and that's why that, that, that word is used. But, but when you break it down, God is spirit. He has attributes of men and women in that sense. You know, he's got the sensitivity of a mother, but he's also got the sternness and the ability to go out and do things as a man because he created us that way. But God is spirit. John chapter 4 verse 24 tells us, and those who worship him, I don't have no shame in saying that, him must worship God in spirit and in truth. We got to worship him in spirit. All, all, all these physical things aren't necessarily the way to go about it. We worship God in spirit and in truth. That's why he wasn't happy with the Pharisees and all the ritualization that they did. The hand washing where they did all this and the, the saying the prayers out in the public, out in the open, bellowing out loud and saying, I'm glad I'm not like this sinner next to me, this tax collector. <laughs> you know, that, that doesn't please God. It's the man or woman with a contrite heart that recognize that there are wretch without him that just has childlike faith and says, Father, forgive me. And he's merciful and gracious. That's worshiping him in spirit and in truth. And then when you go from there, you start actually living out and it becomes tangible how you live, how you interact with people, how you love on people, how you care for people, how you serve people. And that's how that works out. But it all starts by worshiping God in spirit and in truth. The physical things that you and I experience is a, are, are a mere byproduct of a heart that's been born again, a heart plant that's been changed and you've been transformed. You're a new creation from the inside out. You and I must live from the inside out. And too many in this world, and unfortunately, some even within the church are living from the outside in. If it's your thing, get dressed up to come to church. But there's no criteria to get dressed up. It's not about that. Because I could get dressed up in a suit and a tie and be committing adultery against my wife. I'm never in the word of God. I don't honor the Lord. I don't pray and seek him. But yet I get up on this in front of this pulpit and preach week in and week out. So come on now. You know, it, it, it's about your inner person. How is the Lord transforming and working you out and working it out in your life? Again, we must worship in spirit and in truth. Once we submit our lives to Father God through Jesus Christ, his son, we now have the opportunity to be fulfilled in such a way that only he can fulfill us. This is where knowledge, wisdom, accomplishments and material things fail to fulfill us. Because you and I are supernatural beings, you know, because I want to be I want to be I want my life to count. I want my, I want my life to be worth something. It is worth something. You're, you're supernatural, man. You don't need an S on your chest. You don't need a cape. You don't need these super... Why, why, where do you think the creators of all these comic books and superheroes get this idea from? Why do they want to be superheroes? Because there's a longing and a desire in their hearts for something more and they want to be super because it's already there. They're just searching in the wrong places. And I'm not saying... I mean, it is what it is. You, you go off on a tangent with all that. But what I'm saying is the whole idea of superheroes there because you're supernatural to begin with. 
but you need to be fulfilled in a supernatural way by a supernatural being and a supernatural creator who's greater than you who created you. And that is the person of Jesus Christ. You see, if you and I are looking for purpose and meaning in our lives, we must look to Jesus Christ, who is the only one that can infinitely give you and I purpose, meaning, eternally. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> he, he gives you purpose eternally. If you've come to Christ, even on your worst day, you're still better off than the person who's still groveling in the world in the flesh. Searching and seeking. Haven't you noticed that when, when, when you give your life wholeheartedly over to Jesus, there's a supernatural peace that comes upon your life. And now you, you're not stressing and striving like you once were. It's like you can be cool with things because you understand that your fulfillment comes from Christ. It doesn't come from your spouse. It doesn't come from your children. It doesn't come from your grandchildren. It doesn't come from your occupation. It doesn't come from how you physically look. It only comes from Christ and Christ alone. Colossians chapter 3 verses 2 and 3 says, Set your minds, once again we see this, minds, set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I love that. Again, undefeated. You and I can live undefeated lives in Christ. You're hidden in Christ. Satan cannot pluck you out of his hand. Remember, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overtake it. <laughs> Even a little flame has more power than all the darkness around. You and I just have to train ourselves through discipline, spiritual discipline of understanding who we are in Christ and holding on to that. All you and I have to do is cling. He's already holding on to you and me, but we just need to cling to Him. We walk in that truth. We walk in that newness of life every day. I guarantee you, you will rise above every circumstance in your life. Think about Peter. When Peter looked at Christ, while Christ was walking on water, Peter started walking on water. And as long as Peter kept his eyes and focus on Jesus... And not the circumstances on earth, the circumstances of the water and the winds. He was fine. Once he took his focus off of Christ, he was not able to overcome the physical odds. Supernaturally, that's the same thing with you and me. You can walk on the circumstances of your life. But you have to keep your focus on Christ. That's why we hammer home in this church. Get in the word daily. Start your morning on your knees. Get in the Word. Pray throughout the day. Listen to worship music. Find pastors that you enjoy listening to. Listen to the podcast. Listen to the sermons. You cannot, you cannot give room for the enemy. Because I'm telling you right now, I haven't mastered it, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm living a life that's consecrated unto God, and I still get those demonic thoughts that come in and creep in. And so if you're not on it, I'm not... <laughs> I'm just saying, look at Jesus. Forget me. <laughs> I don't want to make it about me. Look at Jesus. Where did Jesus go after he was baptized with the Holy Spirit? When he was led into the wilderness. If our Lord and Savior was led into the wilderness, filled with the Holy Spirit, and was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights, and he's on top of it, what do you think is going to happen to you and me once we give our lives to Christ? 
you're going to get hit. <laughs> the Bible talks about you, you come, you get saved, unclean spirit, whatever, no longer messing with you. But they're not, they don't run off. They just sit back and wait. And if you don't claim the promises, if you don't claim the inheritance of Christ, if you don't claim the power of the Holy Spirit filling you each and every day and you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, you know what happens? That unclean spirit, what does he do? He goes and gets seven other unclean spirits worse than himself and they're going to try to come back and take residence up in your life. So you see the importance of walking closely with Jesus day by day, moment by moment. This is not a game. I don't know how else to paint the picture. I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just trying to be real. I'm trying to be raw with you because this is what the scripture says. It's the nominal Christians that take it as a loosey-goosey type of thing where they're like, I could just pop in and pop out whenever I want and I'm not really living a consecrated life to Christ. And they're usually nine times out of ten the Christians that are weak and they're not strong in their walk and they're not strong in their faith and they're not experiencing victory because they haven't fully given themselves over. All you have to do is humble yourself. Give yourself over to him and watch these amazing things take place. Amen? All right. <clears throat> Let's go ahead and knock out these verses. So going back to verse 1, it says, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. Again, we talked about this a minute ago. He previously looked for meaning in wisdom. Wisdom as it can be understood apart from eternity. And he came to find out that there was no meaning in it. It, 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 it. Wise living under the sun was meaningless. There was no purpose in it apart from Christ. Now he continues his search and meaning and testing a life of pleasure and amusement. He goes on to say, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Test himself with pleasure. Therefore, enjoy yourself. Enjoy what you desire. Enjoy what you want to do. Some translations say mirth, and this simply means gladness or rejoicing, kind of like laughter, but not a, not a, not a, not a kind of a good laughter, more of a sarcastic laugh. Solomon tested life's meaning and pleasure. He tested the theory many live by today, that the meaning of life is found in more varied pleasures, entertainments, and excitements. That's what life's about. You know, do you. You hear, I'll do you. I just, I'm just doing me, bro. <laughs> I'm just doing me, dog. <laughs> Live your best life now. That, that's how some cats talk. I, I mean, they're really about that. I'm doing me, bro. But surely this was also vanity. You see, the preacher will shortly explain how he came to this conclusion, but he tells us the results of his testing at the beginning. Today, if, if you're sitting here and, and you're struggling... And, and you're wondering why you're, you're, you're not fulfilled, there's your answer. <laughs> Simply. Invite Jesus Christ to sit upon the throne of your heart and watch the bread of life fulfill you. Watch the living water of Jesus Christ fill you up. To overcapacity, <laughs> the Bible talks about my cup runneth over <laughs> uh, blessings. Your cup runs over, why? So that you can be poured out as a blessing to other people. And that's kind of how the cycle works with Christ. You get filled up. Trust me, I could not stand up here week in and week out if I'm not filled up. I need to get, you know, let me, how can I say it? So we're studying Ecclesiastes, right? This is not the only part of the Bible I'm studying in throughout the week. 
I need to get filled up on personal stuff with me and the Lord, right? So that I can be able to be used to administer the word in a way that's going to be effective for the listener, right? That's what we talk about. Don't, don't live off Tic Tacs. You know, like those little verse of the days I read my kids in the morning. That's not enough. You can start your day like that, but the, but the verse of the day can't be the only thing that you're, you're, you're getting spiritual nourishment for throughout the day. Because you're going to be bulimic. You're going to be like one of those little kids that the stomach is sucked to their back because they don't have enough nourishment spiritually. Right? My whole point is this. you got to be filled to where you're overflowing. And when you're overflowing, your life is going to be poured out as a blessing to others around you because you're so full. And then what does the Lord do? He blesses you again. And he fills you up again with the fresh filling of the Holy Spirit and a fresh anointing to go out and do whatever you got to do. It's a daily thing, church. And you have full access to that. That's part of your inheritance. See, many of us are leaving our inheritance on the table and we're wondering why we're struggling. We're just talking about that in prayer with, with the Israelites when it's like, bro, you already had, you already had the promised land. Bro, all you got to do is walk up in there. But we're like, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm used to this nomadic lifestyle. I just want to live like this. No, no, don't live like that. Forsake what's in the past. Take your inheritance. Get filled up every day so you can walk in victory. <laughs> who, who doesn't want to walk in victory? And you have that. You and I have access to that. So let the Lord fill you up with his living water. Amen. All right. Verse two and three. It says, I said of laughter. It is mad <laughs> and of pleasure. What use is it? I searched with my heart and how to cheer my body with wine. My heart will still will still guide me with wisdom and, and how to lay hold to, on folly till I might see what was good for the children of men to do under heaven during their few days of life. <laughs> he says, laughter was madness and of pleasure. He says, what, what, what does it really accomplish? You see, Solomon tested the life lived for laughter, pleasure and fun. <laughs> it reminds me of like your modern day celebrity running from party to party, living in Hollywood in L.A., entertainment to entertainment. <laughs> At the end of it all, he, he judged it to be madness without accomplishment. <laughs> laughter. In this context, again, laughter can be seen as a superficial use of fun of a game or a party. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 23 tells us doing wrong is like a joke to a fool. But wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding. Doing wrong is like a joke to a fool. You don't want to be like that. I don't want to be like that. Or, or, or this laughter even uh, can be related to, uh, you know, when Jeremiah was suffering, the mocking that he suffered. Jeremiah chapter 20 verse 7 tells us, O Lord, you have deceived me and I was deceived. You are stronger than I and you have prevailed. I have become a laughing stock all the day. Everyone mocks me. We move on and, and again we see this word myrrh. Uh, it, it may or may not be in the translation that you use. Again we see Solomon trying to understand the meaning of pleasure. This could have been thought of uh, the pleasure of the joy of religious festivals that's found in Numbers chapter 10, verse 10, if you're you know, wanting to make a reference of that later on. Or it could have been in the pleasure of gratitude and serving the Lord that can be found in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 47. Or the proclamation of a king, 
you know, pleasure in that. Well, you've been, you, you just been deemed king. It's found in First Kings chapter 1, verse 40. He goes on to say, I search with my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine and how to lay hold on folly. When, 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 I, when I was studying this through, I couldn't help but to notice what, was, what Solomon was searching with. He was searching with his heart. What does the Bible say about our hearts? Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitfully wicked, or deceitful above all things, and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And again, the world talks about this all the time. Oh, just look within your heart. Oh, just be led by your heart. If I'm led by my heart, it just doesn't turn out good. <laughs> it don't turn out good for me. It don't turn out good for my family. There's usually, usually quarreling and bickering and fighting. Because my heart is deceitfully wicked, man. My heart, my heart is bent towards selfishness. My heart is bent towards what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. And it doesn't matter who's in my way. I'll trample all over you to get what I want. Because that's me being led by my flesh. Maybe that's a harsh statement, but that's the real statement. Now, when I'm led by the Holy Spirit, now I'm considerate. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about you. Maybe sometimes I'm kicking against the goats because I'm like, I don't like doing this. <laughs> again, my flesh flaring up. But remember, biblical love is doing the right thing when it's necessary all the time, regardless of how you feel. See, many times we're going off our emotions. Remember, what's the seat of your emotions? It's your heart. So when we're led by our heart, well, it can't be good things. We have to get it in check. That old nature, that old wretched nature of yours and all wretched nature of mine, we've got to make it submissive to the authority of Jesus Christ. Again, this simple statement of Solomon is proving that there is nothing new under the sun. Like I just said, constantly today you see people say, just look inside yourself. The answer is in your heart. Trust your heart. <laughs> Solomon tried all this, but to no avail. You see, the, the preacher lived a life satisfied with the pleasures of wine and light, frivolous amusements. We talked about this before. Muse means to think. Amuse, put an A before muse. It means not to think. I'm not going to badger it on again, but, you know, amusement. You know, many people, they just love to enjoy, not to think. And I get it. Don't get me wrong. There's times where we got to decompress and all that. That's fine. I'm talking about living a lifestyle of constant amusement. That's not good. If you're living a lifestyle of constantly not wanting to think, that's not good. Because if you don't think, then the world is going to make decisions for you. <laughs> they will. If you don't stand up and do what's right because the Lord is leading you to because you've prayed about it, you've thought about it, you've brought it before the Lord, and you just just willy-nilly about it, then the world will make a decision for you. Just like when you die. <laughs> In this state, it's crazy. you got to have things written down. They don't just go off, oh, yeah, Billy, Billy Joe Bob gave it to uh, Tommy. No, it don't work like that. If you don't have it written down, you got to pay you got a certain amount of money. you got to pay to the state and crazy. you got to get a lawyer. That's, that's a trip. Think. you got to think. <laughs> Can't be, just be amusement. You see, he wanted to see what was good for the sons of men to do if this life was all there was. Lastly, notice that he spoke of the few days that we have on earth. The application is this. Make today count. Don't worry about next week. I mean, I got plans. Me and my family, we're supposed to go to Hawaii uh, October 16th through the 20th. 
I don't even know if, you know, Kawhi is going to be there. Maybe that might be the next island that burns to a crisp. I can't be concerned about that. <laughs> My daughter starts preschool, you know, day after Labor Day. I can't be, I mean, I'm, I give forethought to it, but I'm not stressing over it. Today, make today count. You see, life moves so fast. Time just blows by. But we can spend our time the best by fellowshipping with God and his people. By sharing the light and love of Jesus Christ to a dying world around us. Once again, on your deathbed, what's going to matter more? All the parties you attended, all the money you made, all the things that you accomplished, all the material things you accumulated, or the lives that you touched for Jesus Christ's sake. What's going to matter more? I think the latter is going to matter more. I think that's what's going to be important when you are ready to meet your maker. I don't think you're going to care much about you know, the $500 pair of shoes you got in the closet or, you know, the, the, the boat or, or the other properties you got in another, another city or whatever, you know, or whatever it is. It's not, that's not going to be a concern. It's going to be a concern of what did I do with my time? You see, we don't want to be that wicked servant that buries his talent in the ground and it says, I knew you were a harsh master and so I didn't go out and do anything with your, with your money because I, I wanted to make sure I gave you back what you gave me. But you see, he gave you and I each and all a special gift to use for his honor and his glory. And he expects a return on what he's invested in you and I. That's what I'm saying. We can't just be sitting idle on our, on our bums, <laughs> not doing nothing. <laughs> I heard it said this weekend, this is not, the, this is not where you do God's work. This is where you get the directions. Out there is the mission field. Your mission field is your family. Your mission field is where you go to work. Your mission field is where you go to school. You don't need to go to Africa to be sent on mission. You're sent on mission the minute you say, Jesus, come live in my heart. In your sphere of influence, in my sphere of influence, that's what we're going to be responsible for. If we're never opening our mouths, it's the pomegranate and the bells. The priest would have to wear, you know, they, these would be symbols on there. The pomegranate show. So you need a life that, it's a balance, right? You need a life that shows that you're living a Christian life. But you can't be the kind of Christian where you're doing all these good deeds and good works, but you never open your mouth about Christ. By the same token, the bells are heard dangling from the garment of the priest when they would walk back in the day. And, and the bell symbolized being heard. But it's a balance because you don't want to be the Christian who you're always yapping and quoting Bible verses, but you ain't doing nothing. People can't stand that, man. They can't stand a person that's always talking about Scripture, but you, you, ain't, you ain't showing no kind of love. So we need a balance. But that's the Christian life, church. And that's what you and I have to, uh, what do we should desire for the Lord to develop in us day in and day out. That's called sanctification. And the more you walk with Christ, the better you're going to get at doing both. And you're going to be like, it's going to be cool because you're going to start to bear fruit. You're going to see it and you're going to know your life is counting for something so much more. And you know what? 
the Lord very well may just add on top of it some of these material things just because he's a good God. He's not, he not going to be like, you, you can't have nothing. No. You know, he's going to bless you with stuff because he's, no, he's going to know you're responsible enough to have the material things, but the material things don't own you and you're not living for the material things. So you can have the nice stuff and still be a blessed Christian. You know, it's not real to say, oh, yeah, well, I'm just supposed to be dirt poor. That's not. No, look at Abraham. <laughs> look at Job. Look at all the people in the Bible. They had wealth. They had uber wealth. You know, they were swole on riches, but it was they used it in the right way. You know, just as wicked as is a person on food stamps whose heart is totally corrupt. They don't get the money because the first thing they would do is blow it. <laughs> so it's not about the money, whether you have or you don't have. It's about your heart, my heart. All right, verses 4 and 8. I made great works. <laughs> he says, I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted them, all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which... The, uh, to water the forest uh, of growing trees. I, I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I also had great possessions of herds and flocks and more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and providences. He says, I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines. <laughs> the delight of the sons of man. Well, he, did, <laughs> he didn't spare nothing. I mean, he, he went all in. You talk about going all in. Solomon went all in. He said, I made my great works. The preacher looked not only for the meaning in amusement, but also in great and legitimate accomplishments. So he was actually doing good things. This is to show us that things don't necessarily have to be wrong or bad for it still not to be right. <laughs> Anything apart from Christ is considered not right and not worthy. You see, he tried to give life meaning through the satisfaction that comes through building and organizing and improving one's environment. This is something that is more common than we think in our culture today. An example of this is, according to a new Gallup poll, half of full-time worker working Americans work more than 40 hours per week and nearly 40% work more than 50 hours each week. Altogether, the average reported typical work a work week that was 47 hours now again i get it and i understand that if your situation forces you to to work strenuous hours to put food on the table and pay bills you got to do what you got to do single single parent homes things of that nature or you know you just have a crazy amount of things you got to pay that kind of fell on your plate i get it because many people are in that position there's no real way around that but what I'm trying to point out is trying to find our purpose and meaning in our work. Many people live like that. They're trying to find purpose. They're trying to find their meaning for their life on what they can accomplish, what they work so hard for their career and their title, and they esteem themselves based on those things. The application is this. Our purpose and identity must be found in Christ alone. You see, he defines who and what you are, not your occupation, not your occupation. You know, there's, you know, steel workers are a great example. Some of those men and women are very humble. Some of those men and women, they, they talk, when they talk, they, they have so much pride and they're like, I built that. I built that. 
you had a hand of playing it. <laughs> but it's like you didn't by hand build everything all by you. You didn't build that whole structure. And there's other people that work in that field. And it's like, you know, it is what they do. But they don't, their identity is not found in what they help build. But the same could be said for anything. Professional athletes. You know, oh, MVP, five years running. World Series champ, Cy Young winner. I got 10 golden gloves. I mean, yeah, that's cool. That's good. I'm not taking anything away from your hard work. But that's not your identity. You are in Christ alone. You see, searching for meaning in what you do will only leave you searching for more. Next, we see uh, kind of a list of the things that, that he, he, he had that he worked on. Gardens, orchards. He, he talked about male and female servants, herds and flocks, silver and gold. If building, improving, and amassing great riches and accomplishments could give true meaning to life, Solomon would have found it. Because again, he did it all. He did it all. Goes on to talk about special treasures of kings and providences. This is just a little side note, but it's worth stating so we kind of understand what the text is talking about. This, is, this could be taxes levied off of uh, subjects, his subjects, or tribute given by neighboring provinces. Both these make for treasures of kings and taxes and tributes. And then this last statement here. Different translations, it may come off a certain way or a different way, but uh, musical instruments of all kinds. The final term in the list may well refer to Solomon's wives and concubines, um, but the Hebrew word does not occur elsewhere in the Bible. I won't get too much into all that. I think we can kind of grasp and understand what those are and what it's talking about. But just think of all the people who are trying to find satisfaction, meaning, and purpose in their lives with their sexual lifestyle or preferences, right? This is, this is overblown in our world and culture today. Everybody's so keen on, this is, this is what I identify with. This is who I am. I'm doing this. I don't care what anybody says because I was born this way and I'm attracted to this person, that person, and I, I'm nobody. Uh, it's, it's, there's too many terms to keep up with. I got to try to keep up with these terms so I can be aware of what's going on in the world. And they got so many it's, it's crazy, but this is what's permeating our culture today. You see, around every corner, we're, we're being told by the world, do what feels right. <laughs> Let loose your inner you. Well, that's a recipe for disaster. <laughs> if I let loose my inner me, I won't be pastoring this church. I, I won't be a Christian. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, <clears throat> my family would be broken and I'd be broken. I'd be a hot man. I'd actually probably be dead. If I let loose my inner me, because it's an animal that, that, that's, that it's not good for anybody, you see. And the world tells us these things as if pursuing these things will actually complete you and make you whole. This is a side note, but it's worth investing in because it's important. God was never advocating for more than one marriage partner. He was never okay with having sexual partners on the side. The design for procreation and healthy sexual relations are laid out for us in Scripture. All you got to do is go back to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 2 verse 24. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That's God's idea. All this other stuff is what 
us humans do when we go run off and think we got, we got a better idea? How's that working out for you? <laughs> Chaos ensuing. Just, just outlandishness ensuing. We know what happened to the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Lord willing, that don't happen to what we see. San Francisco, Los Angeles, Las Vegas. You know, I don't want to get into what our, you know, we're praying for. Daniel's always praying for this country and the leadership of this country. If you don't, I pray you do the same. We need godly men and women to step up and take back what's ours and take it back for the future generations because they're leading these children down the wrong path. 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 3 states that Solomon had 700 wives. I can't handle one. He had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. Now, I'm not going to get all into it, but I don't know what they had, you know, in place of Viagra back then. But that's crazy. That's crazy. That just that just ain't right. That ain't normal. That ain't healthy. Okay, that's not healthy. You see, obviously God allowed Solomon to have these wives. But allowance is not the same thing as approval. Look at your own heart today. I'm not talking about anything sexual. But what is something that God's allowing you to do that he may not necessarily be in approval of? You see, Solomon's material or marital decisions were in direct violation of God's law. And there were consequences. You see, these women who didn't share his faith in the true and living God turned his heart away from himself. He turned away from Yahweh. He turned away from the true and living God. Solomon came to understand that withholding no physical pleasure from himself, indulging himself in any and everything he wanted to, only took away from him and never gave back anything to him. You become a shell of a person. Something, when you come together with, I don't want to get into it, but I feel like I'm just using choice words. The reality is, you don't join yourself together with just anybody. You join yourself together in that way physically with your spouse because you're giving, you're giving the heart of who you are to that person. And when you start giving yourself like that flippantly to just random people, you lose sense of who you are inside and you just become almost as a cadaver. And that's what Satan and these demons want. They want you to, to, to get rid of yourself and you just become a body part. You just become a blow-up doll. That's not good. Keep yourself for your spouse. There's virtue in not giving yourself away. I don't care what age you are. I don't care if you're 15 years old. I don't care if you're 75 years old. Don't give yourself away. Keep yourself for the one that you'll be joined with. Because there's consequences, trust me, there's consequences when you live in that way. The kingdom of Israel eventually split in two because of Solomon's disobedience. Remember, I, remember the Bible said there, there's consequences for how he lived. That's, that's what happened to the northern and southern kingdoms. 
It was because of Solomon's doing. 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 11 tells us, Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, Since this has been your practice, and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes that I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and will give it to your servant. The application is this. It's never God's will that anyone sin, but he does allow us to make our own choices. The story of Solomon is a powerful lesson for us that it doesn't pay to disobey. You know, the world paints this picture. Yeah, I'm a rebel. Oh, I'm doing my own thing. It's cool, man. I'm doing my thing. I'm doing my thing, bro. I'm getting mine, man. I'm I'm getting over. I'm, I'm living good. I'm living high off the hog. Don't worry about me, man. You're square over here at the church house, and nah, you ain't have no fun. Listen, church, it's not enough to start well. We must seek God's grace to finish well, too. Because life without God is a dead-end street. Solomon thought that having a thousand wives and concubines would provide happiness. But whatever pleasure he got from it was not worth it in the end. Today, ask yourself, what is your indulging going to cost you in the end today now is the time to to change your ways and to get right to forsake this world and to follow hard after christ all right two more verses and we're done he says so i be verse nine he says so i became great and surpassed all who were before me in jerusalem also my wisdom remained with me and whatever my eyes desired i did not keep it from them i kept my heart from no pleasure For my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil that I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity as a striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. So he said he became great and excellent, more than anyone who's before him in Jerusalem. Solomon's accomplishments lifted him to prominence, and he had whatever means of fame that he could bring to life. Many times we see in life people trying to find purpose in meaning and being noticed. That's such a big deal for a lot of people. Being noticed, being seen, being identified, being, you know, oh, they, they, they saw me. They recognized me. Now I have meaning. Now I have purpose. Being seen. Some desire attention and fame so much, believing that if they become famous and the world acknowledges who they are, that they'll finally be content. Like, I just got to get acknowledged. I just, I want all these followers. I want these people to know who I am. And, and, and you know, I'm, I'm in the top, I'm in the top 10. I got the biggest YouTube channel. I'm the, I'm one of the biggest, inf- bro, do you see me, bro? I'm making all this money, man. You working over here slaving, man. I'm, I'm uploading videos, bro. I'm, and, I, and, and like, I, like I said, there's nothing wrong with that. buying mansions off of what you bring in that's fine but don't let it have your heart but you see nowadays the rise of social media literally any average Joe can become a superstar but the Bible gives us a clear warning about casting off all restraints simply for the praise of the world Mark chapter 8 verse 36 and 7 tells us for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to forfeit his soul For what can a man give in return for his soul? And then lastly here we see, he says that his wisdom remained with him. In all of this, Solomon did not lose his wisdom or the ability to genuinely assess meaning and fulfillment, at least 
in the sense of under the sun. He says, whatever he desired, he, 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 he didn't keep it from himself. He, he, he indulged in every pleasure he could. This is even more significant coming from Solomon, who he had the resources granted. Anything he wanted, he could take, and he tried to please his heart. He said his heart rejoiced in all his labor. He looked for legitimate pleasure in life, such as a rightful pleasure one asks or one takes in the accomplishment of hard work. This was the reward for all his toil. He actually got to enjoy it. Again, there is nothing wrong with working hard and accomplishing goals. Have goals. Set goals. You shouldn't be someone who has no goals. Set goals, right? An accomplishment. Accomplish them. But they, that, that, they should never be uh, uh, ends in and of themselves because they'll never fulfill. He said, then he looked to all that his uh, hands, his work did, and it was just vanity. It was grasping after the wind. He examined his life lived for pleasure, even legitimate pleasure. And it was all meaningless. It was all vanity. And I'll end with this, Michelle and Isaiah can come up. The application is this. There, there was no enduring, eternal sense of meaning to life lived for these earthly pleasures and accomplishments in Solomon's life. This is a modern day situation we're dealing with. Because the feelings of dissatisfaction and uselessness of the human soul that seek not pleasure, that seek knowledge, that seek wealth, and forgets God. This is what happened. The answer to every single problem that you and I face, including loneliness, purpose, and meaning, are all found in Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the reminder and the truth that nothing in this world will ever satisfy like you. Now you allow us to enjoy things and to have things and to have experiences. We are to do those things. But at the end of the day, only you and you alone can satisfy the longing desire that we have in our heart to be loved, to be respected, to be nourished, to be cared for. It's all in you and you've done it. You've given us the opportunity to experience this through the fellowship of your son, Jesus Christ. So I pray now that you would help us to identify those areas in our lives, in our hearts, where we haven't surrendered everything over to you. Lord, would you do business with us as we have a time to take communion and we know that the word clearly says that no one should take it flippantly, that we should examine our own hearts before we come to the table of the Lord, before we partake of the the bread uh, and, and, and the juice. And we don't want to treat those things as, as it's common. So would you do a mighty work in and through us that we would be clean before you, before we partake. And when we do recognizing that this is, this is in, in recognition of what you've done for us and that it should be done in a joyous manner. But Father, help us in that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.